Welcome to the Vying for Victory podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Let's vie for victory, friends. Hello, and welcome to the Vying for Victory podcast. Whether you have been here with us since the very beginning, or if this is just your first time listening to this podcast, welcome. I am so glad you're here. My name is Tara Bradham Denai. I am your host. And before I tell you who I had on the show today, I just wanted to let you know that we have a big announcement coming at the end of the podcast. So make sure that you listen in. We're going to be changing nothing about the content of the podcast podcast, but maybe how it looks and the name of it. So stay tuned for that at the end of the episode. And who's on the show today is Hannah Martindale, who had studied, dedicated her whole life to helping people in pain. And recently she found herself on the other side. So I think you're going to find this interview fascinating. And I really believe it's going to uplift your spirit today and encourage you to pursue the Lord more amidst your pain, which is why we're here. So here is Hannah. Martindale. Hannah, I am so glad to talk to you today. It's been such a fun journey of just connecting with you. And I knew your sister-in-law in college. We were saying I called her Marty, but her name is Ashley. And so, um, yeah, she gave you my book and then it's just been super cool to see how God's connected us. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to share today. Yeah, so tell us first off what you do as a profession because for people who live in pain and limitation, it's really awesome. Yeah, so I'm actually a physical therapist. I am going into my fourth year of working as a physical therapist now. So I actually started out my first two years working. I was actually a developmental pediatric therapist. So I worked with some of the most complex diagnoses, some of the hardest diagnoses, a lot of very involved things. Like what? Um, I would say there are a lot of genetic disorders, cerebral palsy, just a really like just really interesting neurological disorders and stuff like that that just globally would affect the body. So that was what I worked with for the first two years. And then my body kind of decided that it was not going to continue to work well enough to do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I made a switch and uh, I've been working with sports ortho um, in the pediatric settings still. So I'm still working with mostly like adolescents, young adults, but uh, working with them through surgeries, through sports injuries, through chronic pain, anything that's keeping them from doing their favorite activities or sports, and then working on getting them back to that, those things. So how did you make that switch? And was this your hips? Or what would, What do you mean by when you said your body couldn't handle the first one? Yeah, so actually last summer, um, I made this switch. So I actually got a new job and I had started working. This was, this story is kind of wild. I, I feel like when I tell it to people, I'm like, you can just see the Lord, how he just paved the way for me with this. Yeah. So I, I got a new job and I started working at uh, Cincy Children's here. I'm from Cincinnati and I was supposed to start working full time and be a floater, which means technically I would work between multiple settings. So I'd work kind of in sports, kind of in the developmental area and then literally like I think it was five days before my first day of work I like planned for that first day of work for like a month and like five days before it was when my hip just decided it didn't want to work anymore it would just it was so painful it hurt so much it was right around that time I got my diagnosis and so it was just wild that from like going from a month before applying getting that job and then yeah in that span of time, everything went really downhill fast. And the Lord just provided like the right people to be in my path to just be like, Hey, it's okay. We're just going to help you kind of transition into this other role where we think you're going to be able to do a good job and your body's going to be able to handle it. And so I, you know, was like, yeah, that, that sounds great. This is an area that I, I like as well. So started working in there and just, I mean, I, I fell in love with it. It's just having walked through some of the 
the things myself now that a lot of these patients go through. It's just, it's really cool to get to have been on both sides of it and um, just get to be an encouragement to the patients. And then um, what's really cool is through the, throughout all of this, last week I actually finally, um, I, I had to work PR in because I, I couldn't work full-time. It was too painful to work full-time, but last week I finally accepted a full-time position. So I'm going to wow. finally be back to full-time work for the first time. And well over a year. So congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. But yeah, like I said, I just, I've seen the Lord really, really paved this for me to just play it out perfectly and place me in the, the right places. Yeah. You say that, which is awesome. But then like, I know if I were in your shoes, it wouldn't seem like a perfect paved road when you're like, man, I got this awesome job and then now I can't do it. I mean, it kind of seems like God, like putting a little cliff in the middle of the road, you know, like what, what did that look like when you were going through that as far as prayer? Were you, you know, cause it seemed like God had put some, opened a door, right? And then it just kind of slammed shut or you went a different way. Oh man. <laughs> I laugh because it, I was so distraught the day before my first day of work. I had to call my supervisor who is a fantastic lady who's just been so supportive. And I remember just like, I prayed for like forever that morning. I was so scared to have to call her and be like, I'm so sorry, but I don't know what this is going to actually look like. And mm-hmm. like the very first thing she said to me was like, Hey, we're physical therapists. It's our job to like make things work for people and to find ways to like adapt things and make things work. And from there on out, I just felt like the Lord really answered my prayer for like peace with everything, like mm-hmm. straight off the bat. And so all the way through, I, you know, I've just had the peace of knowing that like, it was all going to work out because I knew the Lord wouldn't have placed me there if it wasn't for some great reason, even if I had to wait to find out what it was. Yeah. Okay. So I, from the, I've never been a physical therapist, but I have done massive amounts of physical therapy in my life. And also, you know, cause you read my book, but my physical therapist in college was just an irreplaceable person in my life. And what has changed I guess I don't know if you're practicing a whole lot what you're doing now before everything with your hips, but like how does you experiencing it change how you interact with your patients? I would say not that I wasn't aware before of all of the the mental challenges that come with it and even some of the social challenges, like emotional challenges, but it's just always at the forefront. Like I'm consistently checking in with my patients every time they come like how are you doing? This is a safe place. Tell me how you're feeling today. Like I have no training to be able to, you know, guide them or help them with that, but I can be a great listening ear for them to just know this is a safe place where if you're having feelings, if there's anything going on, like you can, you should share them and you should tell me about them because pain science is is a fascinating topic to me. And just with pain science, there's so much about our, our mental, our thought processes and mm-hmm. just the way that we handle that and the kind of stress that we have and all that plays a role into the kind of pain that we're feeling. And so it, it definitely does for me as well. And so I'm consistently asking those questions. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Especially for those that are having to sit out of sports for a lot of them, that's, that's their friends, that's their people. Mm-hmm. And so when they lose that support system, they need somebody to talk to about what's going on. And so, so yeah, I would say just, it's such an awareness for all of the internal battles that sometimes we like to hide and just talk about the external. Yeah. So what were some of those that you faced? What was your actual diagnosis and take us through just the, that journey? Yeah. um, So uh, I've had hip pain for several years, but it was something that I was like, oh, it's fine. You know, like we all have aches and pains. I'll move on. It'll be fine. I'd work out through it. But I finally got to a point where I was like, gosh, I'm not handling this well. It's affecting my job. I'm not working well. And so I I started going and seeing a physical therapist to work on me because there's only so much you can do on yourself. And so after a span of about three months of that, I, I really wasn't seeing any change. And I, I knew something more serious was probably going on at that point. So I decided to go and get some imaging and I did. And we thought I just had like some sort of impingement and I was like, Oh, that's fine. Like I'll deal with this. It'll be fine. And then I hit that point where I went really downhill really, really fast. Mm. And so that was when I, I got 
CT, MRI, saw several specialists and we figured out that I had actually had hip dysplasia in my right hip. So what, what is that? Yeah. So hip dysplasia is basically, so when you're thinking about like the ball and socket joint of the hip, basically the, the socket is not well enough formed. So it's kind of basically that ball can kind of move around in there. For some people, they can dislocate their hip. I didn't have any dislocations. Mine just was kind of bumping around in there, too much, too, much, too much space, too much movement. And when it does that, it can damage some of like the cartilage and the labrum and the tissues in there and cause a lot of inflammation. And, and that's where a lot of that pain comes from. So that's what I'd had going on for a while. So just long story short there, I decided that I would have a PAO done. It's a periacetabular osteotomy. So basically what they do it's a fun word. is it's a fun word. <laughs> um, so basically what they do is they just cut the pelvis in uh, three places right around that socket, kind of rotate it so that it'll be at a better angle so that there's not all of that movement in the joint. And then they just screw that piece of bone back in place and let it heal there. So I had that done in January and I've just been working my way through healing that. And actually that'll be three weeks ago tomorrow. I had those three big screws taken back out of my hip again. Oh, wow. So yeah, I, I'm making some good progress with my rehab. But it wasn't always like that, right? I mean, <laughs> oh no. Oh my gosh. And I, so I've had three surgeries, but it's, it's a roller coaster and one of the best advice that my physical therapist ever gave me. He said, don't compare day to day, compare month to month because day to day is like up, down, all over the place. But like, are you better this month than you were last month? So did you have the roller coaster? Oh my gosh. Yes. And I feel like for me as a PT, it was almost harder because I had a full visual of exactly what the rehab was going to look like. I knew exactly how long it would take. And I, I feel like that just made me really impatient. Mm -hmm. I just was like, I just want to hurry up and like get to these stages. So that, that was really challenging. And I feel like I, I also, with my profession, I put a lot of pressure on myself, which I just do that in general. I'm I like to achieve things and I, I want to do well with things. And I feel like that makes you just put so much pressure on yourself. And I, mm -hmm. I felt like I needed to meet all these milestones and these goals and be able to do certain things by like a certain timeline. And to be honest, I have not met those. I am still not, I'm eight and a half months out and I still can't even jog down the street. And most people can do that when they're six months post-op. So I'm just, I'm not there yet. Cause I, I've had a lot of struggles with pain. The reason I had those massive screws taken out is because they were actually causing me a lot of pain, but they had to stay in long enough to heal the bones. And so with all that extra pain just led to, you know, as we know, when there's a lot of pain, it's really hard to strengthen anything, then it's really hard to be functional with things. And so it just really held me back to have all of that extra pain. I had so much nerve pain. I was on medication for nerve pain, just shots of nerve pain all from my hip all the mm -hmm. way down my leg. It was more of a roller coaster than I had expected. And I feel like for me, that was quite quite an eye opener to be able to look at that and be like, okay, I, I tell patients that this is a roller coaster, but now I've mm -hmm. experienced this roller coaster and I see just how emotional that roller coaster can actually be when you're at the lows compared to when you're at the highs. Yeah. And I actually describe it as a backwards roller coaster because it's like, you can't see where you're going. And like the, the only comfort, like you don't know, like in a real roller coaster, you can at least see like, oh, I'm going up. I'm about to go down. Like, pain is just like, man, I'm having a great day. And you're like, I am on the up and up and then boom down. Or like, then it suddenly gets better and you don't know why. And I feel like the only comfort for me in that is that like God is in the passenger seat and he knows, right? So when we're connected, like he can sustain us with that daily manna and daily grace. I, I mean, I just, I don't understand how it's possible to get through it without God truly. No, I, I truly don't. And that's something I've said so many times before I, I, so I had to take six and a half months off of work for this because there's just no way I could stand and do anything. And so um, before I, I went into the surgery, one of my biggest prayers was just for, to be able to use the time off that I had well, um, and to be able to use it um, to, you know, I, I, I love to serve people, but that wasn't really a time that I could be up in serving people. In fact, I had to learn how to let 
other people serve me and take care of me. But I spent more time in the word and just setting in such depth in a way that I've not ever really had that just ample time to be able to do that. And without having that, I don't think I would be like as joyful or as happy with where I am now. And as just, you know, being able to be patient and being able to be content and happy with the fact that, you know, my rehab is not going as fast as I had hoped it would, but that's just some sweet time that I'm so thankful I got to have um, just because I think my reliance on the Lord, my abilities to just see the Lord and the tiniest of things throughout the day has just greatly grown because when you're just, and got quarantine hit like right in the middle of all of this. So then it was like, I'm stuck home by myself and I like really can't see anybody at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I was really just with the Lord. And so I just, I, I just feel like my, my abilities to rely on the Lord, to look to him for my help and just meditate on scripture has just really grown throughout all of this. And so I, I wouldn't trade what I've been through just because of the spiritual growth that I've had. Mm, that's awesome. Okay. So you mentioned contentment and this is something the past few months that God has been growing me in, crucifying my flesh in, like Paul says, the secret, right, that he's discovered is to be content in all circumstances. What did it look like for you or what does it look like? I'm not sure. I was talking to someone yesterday. I'm not sure that we can ever even on this side of eternity just really be content in every area of our life. But when we're connected to the spirit, I see glimpses of that and that is possible only through God. So what has that looked like or what would you suggest if someone's sitting here and you're like, I'm in pain every day. How am I supposed to be content in my pain? Yeah. So, and I looked at this for one, I definitely spent a lot of time both like thinking about and writing down just like gratitude, things that I was really thankful for. And that that was something that was helpful and encouraging to me. But I think in this, I have to go back to, you know, scripture where when we lose ourselves, we find the Lord. And so I feel like this entire process has really, I feel like I kind of lost myself a little bit um, because I couldn't do my job. I I couldn't, you know, be up serving people like I want to. I am very into physical fitness and I couldn't do anything like that. I felt like I was almost in an identity crisis at times because I I just, I didn't know what to do with myself. Mm -hmm. But in, in the process of losing myself, I feel like I just found such a sweeter and greater connection with the Lord through this and our ultimate, you know, reward, our ultimate, everything we're going for is on, uh, you know, eternity. And so for me, that contentment is just in knowing that it's not what I'm doing day to day. And I read a book a couple of years ago. It's called Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. It's a great hmm. short little read. The entire premise of of the book is basically like, we always are asking all the time, like, what are we supposed to do? What should we do? Like, what path should we take in life? And, and basically he's saying, like, it doesn't matter what that is, as long as you're serving the Lord, then you're doing the right things. And so I, I really kind of had a mental shift and was like, okay, even if I can't do some of these other things, then as long as I'm serving the Lord, then I have joy. And, you know, that's, that's my ultimate calling on my life is to serve the Lord. It's not to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And so that really was a good mental shift for me to just think if I never, you know, get to be a physical therapist again, then the Lord will provide something else for me to do to serve him. And then in that I can be joyful. Yeah. What if someone feels like they can't serve at all? I mean, maybe at least the first few weeks of surgeries can relate. Um, but something so debilitating because I, I'm thinking about, I'm a doer, just that is how I identify myself. And it's not always about like, right. We're not, I think it was Rick Warren who said, we're not human doings, we're human beings. And so what, what do we say to people who are like, I can't serve the Lord right now. I'm just sitting here listening to this podcast and I feel like all I can do is be fed. Like, should they be doing something or is there a time and a season for just being with the Lord? Yeah, I think that's such a great question. And that was something that I wrestled with for a while too, because I'm definitely a doer and accepting anything from people is extremely difficult for me. I would much rather be doing something, but I will say, I, I think it's in the Bible, we, they, you know, it talks about like taking care of people and allowing people to do that. And so I, 
had so I have some dear friends here that just they brought me so much food, cleaned my house, they did so many things for me. And that was, you know, some days I was like, wow, I'm so grateful. And some days I was like, gosh, this is really hard to just sit here and let this happen and accept this. And I, I think that we need to let other people be blessings to us because that's something that they want to do as well. They want to care for you and love you and be a blessing to you. And I feel like when we don't allow them to do that, we're almost being blessing stealers in a way. Like we're just blocking, being blessing blockers. We're not letting them serve us. And so I think that kind of changing, you know, the mindset on that is a way to kind of be like, all right, like I don't want to be a blessing blocker today. So I'm going to let them come and help me with things that I just, I can't do today. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that concept. I'm going to have to use that in the future. A blessing blocker. (laughs) That's really good. Okay. So talk about your relationship with your husband through all of this. And I think you said at one point that your marriage has been made stronger through this. Um, But were there some hard points? What what did that look like? Yeah. So my husband is a uh, resident physician. And so he has lots of medical knowledge as well, of course. And so it was a struggle at times for us um, because I, I did have a few different complications. I had like some like allergies to like different things I was supposed to be using. And like, it was kind of a mess at different times throughout my journey. And he was really trying to help out. And also for probably the first six weeks after I had like pretty much no control over my right leg. Like I couldn't even like pick my foot up off the ground. Mm -hmm. So in order to like get in and out of bed or get comfortable, like somebody like legitimately had to move my leg for me. Uh, And it is, that's a little humbling, (laughs) very humbling. And also such a challenge to have to over and over again, be like, Oh no, uh, that's not comfortable. Um, okay. Just like maybe like pick it up one more time and set it down and see if it's comfy now. And like, we had to work on our communication so much and our patience with each other, just because that can, I remember one night I was so uncomfortable and I'm pretty sure he spent 30 minutes adjusting my leg, trying to like find some way that I could lay to be able to go to sleep that night. And man, I just cannot say enough great things about the way that he just selflessly served me as a husband. But I would say like, just our ability to be really open and vulnerable and let our walls down and just really let each other in at some of the hardest moments in our life, we definitely have greatly improved. And so um, that's just, that's something I'm very thankful for now. And I feel like our communication has just, you know, I mean, all marriages go through ups and downs, but I feel like right now we're kind of really kind of meshing with our communication um, Mm -hmm. and just now able to just be more effective in the way that we talk to each other. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who's, who's sitting there in pain and like, I struggle with this immensely is vulnerability, right? You said like being able to be truly vulnerable in these horrible spots. Like, how do you do it? Is that like, just, just suck it up and do it. Dependence on the Lord. Like, how do you get to the place where you can, even if it is your significant other, or if you don't have that, like a close friend or parents, How do you do that? So I'm wildly independent. So this was a really big struggle for me. Like I'm the person who would much rather just like deal with something on my own, push through it, than like have to involve Mm -hmm. somebody. So this, this was a big growing moment for me and it was a hundred percent reliance on the Lord. Like I feel like we both prayed so much for communication and for patience and for the Lord to grow our marriage and just to be present in those tense moments when we're trying to talk about, you know, make my leg comfortable and it's taking 30 minutes and we both want to go to bed because we're exhausted because it's been the longest day Mm -hmm. ever. Or one of my very best friends is an occupational therapist. And so she came to my house every other day and she would help me change out my Ted hose because I had to wear those for an entire month and would help me with my showers. Cause again, I couldn't lift my leg like in and out mm-hmm. of the bathtub. I couldn't so many things that I just couldn't do on my own. And again, that was total, total reliance on the Lord to be able to let me just be there, let them help me be vulnerable, tell them, you know, how I'm feeling and 
you know, all the help that I need. And yeah, I feel like the Lord really answered that prayer for me. And there were a lot of tears, a lot of tears through the the growing moments with that. But I think when you get to the other side, it's, it's really beautiful when you're able to finally, you know, open up and be closer to each other. Have you been able to keep that same vulnerability, even as your pain has gotten better? Because for me, then it's like, oh, I've, I've learned this, whatever. And then it's just like, oh, no, I have it. And then you feel like you're stronger, right? Because pain puts you in this place where you are forced into dependence and like communication or else you're not going to sleep that night. So have you struggled to keep what you learned in that time? Yeah, for sure. It is really hard. And I feel like every single day, like I have a, a, a prayer list that I pray through every morning and on that prayer list has never left in the entire time that I've been through this is praying for that, you know, open communication, that vulnerability, that closeness with my husband, because I feel like the days that, you know, if I'm not consistently praying for it and striving toward it, Satan just loves to come in and try to separate us and try to separate that bond that we have. And so um, it's, it's definitely a daily prayer and a daily choice to be able to do that for sure. Okay. So I just get so excited with all the questions you and I don't know each other super well at all. So if you don't want to answer this, it was not in your questions. You don't have to, but I'm sitting here thinking about like hips and the fear of the future that a lot of us face. Like we have no idea about the unknown and worries and like, do y'all want to have kids? Like, has that crossed your mind? Like, would that not be incredibly difficult with what you've had? It's so funny you ask. That is actually uh, the reason why I had like really committed to this surgery and has really drove me through this rehab. Yeah. So we really wanted to have kids probably um, maybe like a couple months before I got my diagnosis, but I was having hip pain and we were like, gosh, we really need to at least figure out what's going on here or make this feel better. Cause otherwise it's going to be really, really difficult. And then when I got my diagnosis, I spent so much time just praying in tears, just like, gosh, like I want this so bad. Like, why do I have to wait when, you know, so many of my friends are getting to have families. And so yeah, I might choke up a little bit because <laughs> okay. it's very emotional. Um, but I will say I had a beautiful time with the Lord last fall. Um, I think it was probably like last October. I would get up extra early because I was so heartbroken to not be able to start my journey in being a mom. And so I would spend so much time with the Lord. And I just remember like thinking him saying to me, you're not thinking he definitely was speaking to me. And I still believe this. Um, I really felt him saying like, you know, have faith. Like I'm not giving up on you. And, you know, remember like by next December, like this is going to happen for you or like at least steps in the right direction is going to happen for you. And so I've really held on to that so much, just remembering like, gosh, I feel like this is a promise that the Lord is making to me. Like, not that I'm, you know, going to, you know, of course, like be pregnant by this time or anything like that, but I just felt like there was going to be steps and like in the right direction by, you know, this time. And I just felt so strongly like this is what he was telling me. And it just really helped me to be more patient. And what's, what's really wild is like that, that time frame is actually about, you know, 11 to 12 months after my surgery, which is actually about when most people really get to a pretty good place um, with their rehab. I, I have no idea where I'll be at that point, but most people are in a pretty good place by that point. And so that's still several months away, but I guess not too many. It's like three or four, but, but I just, I have so much faith that I feel like even if it's just the Lord granting me you know, less pain or something by that point. So I can start thinking about it more. Like I know there's going to be steps in that direction. And so that's really been able to give me so much faith in knowing that he hasn't forgotten about me. And there's so many beautiful things that have happened in the meantime that I'm so glad he's taught me that I think is going to make me be a better mom when that time comes. And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for just the way that I've, you know, been able to be be patient. And that's only through the Lord because it's just me asking him for patience all of the time um, with us. And so, so yeah, that, that's kind of one of the things that, that, that's 
every day when I get up to do my exercises that that drives me to do them is that that's that's the goal yeah well first off thank you for sharing that thank you for that this is a safe place and I'm I'm really grateful that you shared just that side because it's real and I'm I'm thinking even just our stories do have those parallels in some ways of like I felt like I had a promise from God. It was not at all what I expected it to be, right? I thought that it meant like, oh, you'll go to the Olympics, which is almost like I can get prideful about that and be super embarrassed about that. But I guess it's in a book, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> but that that is not what happened at all, right? And so promises of God, sometimes I feel like it's exactly what we think. And sometimes it can be something totally different or delayed or not a no, but a not yet. And what if someone is listening here who they're just kind of exploring faith, you know, they're really struggling with their pain. When you say you really feel like God has put this on your heart, how, how do you know that? What does that look like? Yeah, I think that when we, when we pray to the Lord and we ask him for peace, I think that he is very gracious in those moments when we're having the pain, when we are really struggling. And I think that you know, sometimes he doesn't necessarily give us the answer we want in things, but I think he always provides what we need in the moment. And so I, I have a, I have a friend who um, told me when I started this journey, she's like, man, God gives like the, some of the, the biggest struggles to like some of the strongest people. And I was like, that is so false. I feel like I'm not strong at all. Like I'm so weak. And the only way that I can be strong is through the Lord. And so I feel like, you know, in those moments where we are struggling, we feel like those promises aren't being met. I think when we're, when we can be vulnerable, when we can go into prayer, when we can go to the Lord and we can really share our hearts with him, I think he can be really gracious to us to just give us moments of peace or moments of encouragement. And I think we can also spend time. I spent so much time just praying for joy in anything and everything that I could find it in. And I think that that greatly changed the way I looked at things because it was no longer about what I didn't have. It was about what I did have. And I think just, just making that mindset change, it brought so much peace to me to see all of the gifts that the Lord had given to me. And just, just seeing that, you know, gosh, even my life is a gift and just, you know, my ability to move is a gift. My ability to think is a gift. Like I just, I got, like I said, I made gratitude lists. So I got really nitpicky about all the things that I was just like, I'm so thankful to have these things. And I I think by doing that, it gave me joy and it brought me just an overwhelming sense of peace to be able to, to look at what I had instead of what I didn't have. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, I think the sin of comparison for everyone, it just steals contentment and joy. But I don't know that I've ever thought about just the opposite of that, I think, is gratitude, right? And so when it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you were talking about pain, like pathways in your brain. Is there something scientific that if you make gratitude lists actually changes your brain? Do you know that? I don't know the actual science behind it. I know there's like, oh, it's proven, quote, quote, but I couldn't tell you the actual, what are the actual things, facts? Yeah, I'm no expert on this, but I do know that what you think about definitely changes kind of the way your brain is wired. And I I think I read a fact somewhere that like within like 10 minutes, even if you meditate on something more positive and joyful, like that can kind of start to change some of the pathways going on in your brain. And so again, not an expert on this whatsoever, Mm -hmm. but yeah. And it, especially like I said, the more that I know is in the pain science realm, but definitely when you take time to think on positive things, when you take time to meditate, take your deep breaths, you know, kind of calm your body and focus on something peaceful, which for me is typically prayer and, you know, just spending time with the Lord. Our whole mindset changes. I think like just in general, the whole tension in our body can change. It can Mm -hmm. change the way we're feeling our pain, but yeah, just meditating on the positive things, practicing gratitude definitely has a a big change in the way that our brain is wired. Yeah. So then at the same time, you said at some point in your journey that you told one of your friends, you're just like, this pain is breaking my spirit, which I have been there and that's a horrible place to be. So there's that, like when you're in that place, I mean, there has to be a truth of letting yourself feel that and you have to grieve And that is real. But then what do you do in that place? What did that place look like for you? 
Yeah. So that moment, one of my good friends that I work with, he has been my physical therapist through all of this rehab. And he was the one who I, who I shared that with. And just like you were saying, like, no way would I have made it through this without him just basically being the biggest encourager to me. Cause it doesn't matter the amount of knowledge that you have, like you just can't think straight sometimes when you're in so much pain. And so, yeah, I shared that with him and of course, you know, we, we spent lots of time working on that pain and stuff, but I think what was, what was really great was looking at, again, how far I'd come at that point. And, and I was so broken and so down because I was about a month away from getting to return to work. I really felt like I shouldn't still be in so much pain. And I just honestly couldn't figure out why I was in so much pain still. It just, and it was nerve pain and nerve pain is just, it wears you out. It's and the just, worst. It makes you feel terrible and you just, you don't want to do anything. And so uh, to really come, come out of that, I probably like cried and listened to worship music for like three days because that was pretty much all I could do. Like mm. I felt like I was so broken that I couldn't even get a prayer out. Like mm. basically just listening to some of my favorite worship songs that are all, you know, based on Bible verses and stuff. I was almost just like praying those to the Lord yeah. and just saying like, Lord, I, I don't even have the strength to pray, but I really need your help to get through this. What were some of those songs? Um, I, at the end of the year, when it comes out with your top songs, I feel like Waymaker is going to be like my number one song okay. that's probably been played about 500 times. By Leland? Is it by Leland? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and then my other favorite that I kept playing was Graves into Gardens. That's another one of my favorites. I don't know that I've heard that one. I think that one's by Elevation. Okay. But, um, yeah, excellent. That one's a little more upbeat. So brings a little more. I have more, to listen to that one. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> But basically, I just, I prayed those when I felt like I, I couldn't, you know, do anything else for myself. And I definitely reached out to, you know, all my support system to, you know, my good friends. And definitely those were some of the most vulnerable moments with my husband of him basically saying like, hey, you're in a really bad place. Like, we need to, you know, I need to help you through this. Like, we need to work through this. Like, I want you to, you know, grieve and like, get past this. And then I want to be the person to help you on the other side of that and help you, you know, kind of get back to whatever that looks like for you. Um, and I'm very prideful. And so for me to admit, like, yeah, I'm at like the most bottom bottom that I could be. Like, I feel like that's probably could have been like put on a diagnosis of clinical depression at that point. I was so mm -hmm. upset with where I was. I think being vulnerable was, was the biggest thing for me to be able to get through it was to be able to be vulnerable with the Lord and really share, you know, be open. He knows what's going on inside. So we might yeah. as well be vulnerable and talk about it and share those things in prayer. And then just allowing the people around me to also come in and support me. And then as far as getting through it, I would say it, it took time because as we know, pain is just kind of that roller coaster and, and it does get better with yeah. some time. But I, honestly, every day had to wake up and make a choice of, am I going to let this pain tear me down today and let me be sad? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to choose to be joyful despite my pain and still get through the day and praise the Lord for the things that I do have today? Were you ever mad at God or bitter? Because, you know, it sounds like I'm in a depressed, sad place, but you still turned to the Lord. Did you ever face that anger? I don't know what your relationship with the Lord, like how that has grown throughout your life um, or habits that you've put in place. But yeah, did you ever have that emotion or someone, because there is a temptation. Well, I don't want to listen to a worship song. I'm mad at you. You're not good. <laughs> so I would say my feelings, and I don't think I was ever mad at the Lord necessarily, but I, I think some of my more frustrations with it actually came before I had surgery, just knowing, you know, what all I was basically going to be given up for a good amount of time. But I, I think I went through periods of being like, well, what if I don't get better? Like, do I still think that God is good in those moments? Like, mm -hmm. like, is my life still good? Is he still good? Even if I don't have healing and 
I think our faith is absolute garbage if we don't think that he's still good in those moments, if we don't think he's always still good in all of those moments. But it's so, so difficult to see it because you're like, gosh, like I'm turning to you. I'm praying to you. I'm wanting to come to you. I'm wanting to serve you. Like why in the world are you giving me this pain that's making it so difficult to do that? Mm. And I think I came out the other end of it having so much better understanding for the definition of God being good and how God being good doesn't necessarily mean that our life isn't hard, but it means that we're growing in our relationship with him. We're growing closer with him and we're using our life to serve him. And I think, you know, when we're doing those things, we have joy in doing those things. So that was a, that was a really big kind of test to my faith. I feel like to say, is God still good? Yes, God is still good. Okay. So if God is still good, then I can find a way through this pain to still be joyful. So good. I'm just curious because I don't know any part of your story, but I can picture someone listening knows you about as well as I do. Just I'm a little bit ahead of like, what were some things that God developed in your life, whether that was like the discipline of spending time with him? What were those staples and anchors that you feel like he developed to help you go through this trial independence on him? Yeah. Um, one huge thing that he gave me. So my husband, Chris and I, we moved to Cincinnati just over two years ago. So we haven't been here a very long time, but we feel so blessed by the church that we were placed that we found that we've been a part of and just have really grown to love. We don't have family here. So they basically are our family here. And so I'd say number one, I feel like the Lord was just really, really great at providing the people that I needed to be encouragers and to continue to point me back to the Lord in the moments when I was really struggling to do that myself. And I would say that, you know, anytime I needed prayer, it could be the tiniest little thing. I always had at least like five people I could text and be like, I'm having a really crummy day. I feel like I can't even walk to the kitchen. Can you pray for me? And I would have five texts back, like, absolutely. I'm praying for you. And like, I would definitely feel that. And so I feel like that, that was one thing the Lord was really gracious to, to give to us in that, in this time. And then As far as some disciplines, when I was really broken, like last fall, especially when I was kind of grieving the thought of, I thought we were starting a family. Now we're not. Now all this is put on hold. I, I started getting up really early. Um, I would do whatever little bit of workout I could do without having too much pain. And then I would just spend my time with the Lord and listen Mm -hmm. to worship music and really starting to spend more time in prayer than I think I had in a pretty long time. And through doing that, I learned about the Lord. I feel like my understanding of why things happen that I have no understanding of happen. Like, I feel like I have a better idea of that. And really, it's just that on this side of eternity, I don't think we'll ever really understand it or know. And through doing that, I've learned to really be okay with those and focus on, you know, God is good. And if God's allowing this to happen, then it's good. And just be content in that. But I would say really just support the support system he gave me and then just the discipline of spending time with him and really praying to him was has just been the, the best things that I've really started doing and been able to, to keep up with in order to just keep focusing on him throughout the whole time. I love that because it's so simple. And first off, I'm amazed that I'm like, oh my gosh, looking at my journey, most of which took place in college. And I'm like, I don't think at any point I was ever humble enough, maybe to text someone and say, Hey, I'm having a really rotten day. Will you pray for me? (laughs) And maybe a couple of times, but not like with my pain. I think I was so sick of it being the same thing over and over with people and that they would get tired of me asking, which when I'm the person on the other side, like, I'm so glad that you reached out and I would love to pray for you. So that's one thing. I think that's amazing and a great reminder to me and hopefully people listening today. But just the simplicity of just spend time with the Lord. And I think in our age, we have more more resources than we've ever had, yet we're arguably like farther away from God than ever. And it's like, you actually don't need the next Bible study or the next book or whatever it is to get you over. It's like, no, like just get up an hour earlier and spend time with the Lord. I was uh, reading Nehemiah and, you know, when they rebuilt the wall to Jerusalem and then they 
people started moving back there and they reintroduced the law to them. And so this whole congregation came in and they just listened to them read the book of the law of Moses, right? And from like daybreak until noon. And I was like, how many of us would just sit there? Like, is the word of God enough? There's no preaching. No preaching. Just the word of God. And I think there's something in those times in that secret place that he speaks to us that we don't get when it's through someone else, through a pastor or, or something else. Yeah, for sure. For sure. One of my um, passages that I have just spent so much time just being thankful that I um, learned about and just read more about was actually in Exodus, how, you know, the Israelites, they could have had a direct path, you know, to the promised land, but instead the Lord led them through all these other random Mm -hmm. places. And I have really meditated on that so much and thinking like, gosh, like he had such a purpose in doing that. And so when I think about everything that's gone on in my life, like sure, I could have had a direct path to all of the things that I think I need or want in life. But I think by taking the indirect path, I've gained so much more from taking that indirect path. And so the waiting and putting it off and kind of going through the difficulty of kind of winding around up and down on the roller coaster has just, it's been, it's been a true blessing and something that it's taken me a long time to get to the point to say that I think it's a blessing, but I, I think it's, it's such a blessing and not something that I, I would, I would trade just because of all of the, the time I've spent with the Lord and just the way that it's really grown my relationship with them. So when you talk about your, you still have a hope that's unfulfilled in this case, having a family um, and you're waiting on that. What has pain taught you or this journey taught you? Like you're talking about, you're so grateful that it's happened that you think could make you a better mom. Yeah. So I, I think that my ability to just have gosh, patience, number one, um, that's a big one for me is just, I've never been a patient person. My husband is so patient. He could wait years for things and I don't understand how he does it. And I'm the exact opposite. It's a gift. I am like, it, it really is. We just balance each other out. I speed him up. He slows me down. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I think this has taught me a lot about patience. It's taught me a lot about in the hard moments, how to stay calm, how to speak calmly, how to speak well, how to not get mad, not raise my voice, you know, all the things that we want to turn to in the moments when we're tired, we're worn out when things are hard. Cause you know, obviously once I, we have kids, like we are probably not sleeping eight hours a night anymore. That's probably out the window. And just knowing the kind of exhaustion that probably will come with that is, you know, I, I have a, a good friend here who always likes to say before you have any kind of argument or disagreement, think about like, are you tired? Are you hungry? And if you're neither one of those things, like then we can talk about it. And I, I oh, feel wow. like, this, this this has really taught me like when I'm really struggling with something, am I tired? Am I hungry? Okay, now we can talk about it. Like, yeah, my, my belly's full. Like, I'm not too terribly tired. And so it, it's really taught me to slow down and, you know, don't sweat the little things. Like, gosh, our house was, I, I really like to have a clean, neat house. Mm-hmm. And when you can't clean your own house, like you just have to be cool with whatever it looks like and yeah. can't be demanding of other people. And I think it really showed me that there's more important things than mm-hmm. me feeling like I need to have control over everything. Those are some of the lessons I feel like I really learned that, you know, once I, I do have kids, I think will really serve me well to just be able to be patient yeah. and calm and let go of control and just not sweat the little things. I love that because sometimes I feel like we try to overcomplicate like these deep answers and it's just like, no, are you tired? Hungry? Okay. I'm like, that's, that's actually really good. One of those kind of in relation to that, is there anything you feel like physical pain has taught you in a way that emotional or mental pain you've experienced in your life has not? Yeah. So on this one, physical pain, like there's so many things I think we feel like we have control over in our lives. Right. And we try to just push through it. Like if we're, we're struggling mentally, sometimes we feel like, Oh, I'll just push through it. Like I don't necessarily need to ask for help. But when you're 
when you have physical pain and you physically cannot do things, you can't ignore it. You can't push through it. Like, and there's no way that you can just will your body to do the things you want it to do. Like, oh, I tried. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. I tried really hard. And I think it's just, I giggled to myself earlier because you're like, oh, you're so humble to text these people. And I'm like, I am not humble. <laughs> that is one of my biggest struggles. But I think this, it humbled me. Gosh, it just, mm -hmm. it knocked me off any pedestal that I had, any pride that I had to just be like, I actually have no power to pull myself through this. Like yeah. my hip and my leg have to heal in their own time. I can't speed it up. I, I can't make it go faster. I can't magically make the pain go away. I, mm -hmm. you know, there's just, I think it's learning to kind of let go of the control and just be like, I've done all that I can. And Lord, I just, you're pretty much the only thing that I have. Like, that's where I'm going to, because there's nowhere else to go in yeah. those moments. And so I, I think that's the biggest thing that I learned is just learning that we let go of control over those things because we can't, we can't do it on our own. And then like trying to put that into your mental and emotional pain then of like, just because you can quote, ignore it, you really can't. I mean, it'll, It'll come back in other ways. I just think we deceive ourselves into thinking we can where physical, we know we can't because it's just right there. Oh, yeah. It's tangible. And I think that's the part that, that's really hard. And it's also, you can't hide it either. Yeah. Like for me, I couldn't, you know, get around without a walker or crutches and I, even a wheelchair. I was going out in a wheelchair for mm -hmm. like the first several weeks because I, you know, physically had... No, no strength in my core or my hip. And it was everything I could just to go down three stairs with somebody also carrying my leg down those three stairs yeah. to get into the car to go. And I think it's just, it, it teaches you so much humility and so much yeah. about letting go of trying to con control all of those things yourself. And you, you can't, you, you yeah. actually can't. And then, like you said, mentally we can't. And I think it's done a really good job for me of when I am struggling mentally to actually be more aware of it in those moments and let go of control of that as well. Whereas previously I felt like, oh, I'll push through this. I'm strong. Like I got this, I can do this. And now mm -hmm. I think through going through the physical pain and struggles there, it's really taught me to also seek help and talk mm -hmm. and be, you know, again, more vulnerable with what's going on internally in, in my mind as well. Yeah. Well, this has just been like, I'm sitting here. I'm like, so many things have just ministered to me. And that's, I like love that these conversations, I'm like, I'm quote doing it, you know, to help other people, which, but it just, it blesses me. So thank you so much for just everything you've shared. And then is there anything that we haven't gotten to something that God has put on your heart or something you feel like we didn't say that you want to share? I don't know. I, I just say, just because, you know, I'm on here talking about these things, like, oh, I am so not perfect at them. Every day is still a prayer. I still have pain every day. I went to PT this morning, so I'm still in PT. I still have pain every day. And it's continually a, a battle and a, a, not just battle, just a choice you have to make every day. And, or at least yeah. for me, I wake up and just make that have to decide. And, and some days I, I don't decide well. <laughs> That's, it's just true. Some days yeah, we have harder sure. days and you, you struggle through them. But yeah, I'm still in the thick of it with everyone out there with their chronic pain. Well, thank you for in the middle of your pain, just like as a person in process coming on and sharing because, hey, maybe that's like the lesson of vulnerability and now you're continuing it on. So thank you so much, Hannah. <laughs> thank you. I'm glad I got to be here. Thank you again to Hannah for being on the show. That book she mentioned and ways to connect with her are in the show notes. And for our big exciting news, you may know that we have created Heal Retreats and we have small groups and a book club I'm doing on Instagram and all of that is under the name Heal. And so we thought it was a little bit confusing with this having a different name. So starting in the next episode in two weeks, you're going to see a different logo and the name of this podcast will be the Heal Podcast. So just to streamline everything, hopefully it's going to make it easier for people to find us and understand what's going on and how we're committed to helping the body of Christ in our physical pain and limitations. So we'll see you here again in two weeks on the Heal Podcast.